Frankie, come. Come on. Frankie, come. Good boy. Good boy. Sit. Good boy. Down. Down. Good boy. And stay. Stay. Good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there and welcome to the February 2020 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. I'm Devon from Canada. Let's begin this half hour with a song from Veronica Elsie's CD, Guide Dogs First Hand, and the song title is How Did You Know? How did they know we would hit it off right away? I didn't know I could fall in love in just a day. Oh, I felt a tug on my harness when I gave the commands. I knew once we got started, there was no way to turn back. I didn't know I could fall in love so fast. How did we go to that shop with the entrance that nobody ever could describe? I don't say what I want now, I just think the commands. There's no break in this bond, now we're a team that will last. I didn't know we could get so far so Oh, and now that I know your name, my whole outlook on life has changed. I'm free. last forever Cause I know I've never had it any better than this But I guess you know that, don't you? When that day is upon us and you have to be retired Cause right now I know 
Williams, who lives in a small town near Barrie, Ontario, Canada, only intended to have her dog trained once. Life, however, had other plans for her. Well, first of all, Brittany, hi there, and thanks so much for being on the program with us. Thank you for having me. So before we start talking about uh, you and your dog... Uh, have you had a visual impairment all your life? No. Um, I've always had low vision, but um, the nature of my eye disease kind of uh, came up about four years ago suddenly, and it progressed um, from there. So it was, I was always, um, I was somewhat sighted, but I had low vision, and then when the disease progressed, then that's when my vision deteriorated. Okay. That was four years ago. Is that retinitis pigmentosa? No, I have a form of uh, macular dystrophy. Um, it's called occult macular dystrophy, and it's pretty understudied, but it's just the dysfunction of my macula. So my central vision um, isn't good, um, and I do have other like refractive errors, like I'm nearsighted in one eye, farsighted in the other, and all that. So it's just a combination of a bunch of eye issues that I have okay. um, with the eye disease. Yeah. So when your vision started to deteriorate, did you use a cane first? Um, no. So interesting, interestingly enough, I was a service dog handler first oh. with my retired dog. Um, and I had a service dog. I used my first dog for about three, three almost four years. Um, and he was for PTSD. And at the time I had a... Um, autoimmune disease called Graves' disease, so it's a thyroid disease, mm-hmm. um, which would cause me a lot of mobility issues. I was losing my hair. I had issues with um, high heart rate and experiencing drop attacks. So he would actually let me know about 10 minutes before my heart rate would start to spike because I would just tremor all the time. Ooh. And so he would alert me to those um, to those medical flare-ups so I'd be able to lay down. Um, so I had a service dog first, and he unfortunately had to retire. Um, we had too many um, altercations with other dogs, and it created a lot of anxiety with him around other dogs. Oh, and, that's too um, bad. Yeah, it was just too bad. Um, so I ended up with my golden now, and when I got her, that was when my eye disease just created a huge problem for me. And um, I was working with the CNIB at the time with getting cane skills and through the organization that I got my dog from, because they are privately trained, they were willing to train her as a guide dog if she did um, take to that work fine because she was originally trained as a PTSD dog. Mm. So that's kind of how I ended up with it. But 
for dog number three, I'll definitely be going to a school, but it just worked out better for me that way. Okay. Yeah. So um, what organization was it that you trained uh, your second dog with? So it was with the same organization um, that I got my first dog from. So uh, Canine Country and uh, Service Dogs is out of, was originally out of Beaton and is now in Meaford. And uh, they train dogs for PTSD. Most of the clientele is first, is first responders and military, but they do serve civilians as well. Um, and because my second dog was originally trained as a PTSD dog, we, um, the trainer was willing to evaluate her. And then over the course of several months, we worked on training her um, as a guide dog, so traffic checks. Um, intelligent disobedience, then being able to maintain straight line travel and harness and whatnot. So um, it's it's a very unique process. It's definitely by no means um, what most people go through with getting a guide dog. Um, It's more involved, but um, it was a really lovely experience. I know I won't have time to do that for dog number three, so um, I'll definitely be going through a school for that, but it was a really great experience, and I learned a lot. How long did it take to train your second dog, whose name is? Zia. Zia? How long did it take uh, uh, to train Zia as a guide dog? So it took her, um, well, of course she had her formal obedience done. She had her PTSD service dog training done. Mm -hmm. So it it was over the course of probably um, eight months which is more than what um, guide dog schools, uh, it's more time than what guide dog schools typically use. And that's due to the fact that at this point she already lived with me. Uh, so we were, I was meeting up with the trainer and we were training together over that course of time. Whereas when guide dogs are in formal stages, it's very regimented, it's every day, and it's with the trainer. Yes. So it did take more time, but it did take about eight months after um, after uh, we decided that we're going to try and train her for that. Mm -hmm. And did you have to get special equipment so that she could act as a guide dog? Yes, so that's interesting. Um, So I actually had to go out of my way and find somebody willing to make a um, a harness for her because we already know about the issues with fake service dogs online yeah. and um, the availability of equipment. So morally, I didn't want to support buying um, mainstream uh, service dog equipment off the internet um, just because it's just, you know, morally I can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I did find a leather worker um, that was willing to work with me to create a design Um so I have three versions of that because over the time we decided to improve on the original one. Um, so me being hugely into, um, excuse me, service dog equipment, guide dog equipment, um, we were able to design something really, really great. I do have um, like other kinds of harnesses, like I've tried the American style and whatnot. So I was able to take certain qualities from what I like in different harnesses and create our own design. So that's what we did. Um, I went through a private channel to have it designed and created for me rather than obtaining it elsewhere. And when you go into, say, a restaurant or a 
Yeah, use use a taxi cab or whatever. Do do you ever run into a hassle? Um. So I've been a handler for about eight years now between my two dogs. I've I could probably count on one hand the amount of issues I've had. I've had people ask me or give me a hard time many times, but mm-hmm. typically that ends with a pretty positive solution, or they grudgingly take me because I, I tell them, you know, what the law is and the expectations and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I have had public access issues before. Um, none of them have gotten too bad. Um, I have had to contact corporate if it's from a business before. Um, I've definitely done that before. Um, but I did have a pretty bad experience at Walmart, which is not unknown to, uh, to you know, right. handlers. You, yeah. Most handlers do have issues in a Walmart at least one time in their life uh, where it still hasn't been resolved from last year. So, yeah, I have dealt with um, some public access issues, not many. Um, most of the time they're resolved um, positively. And are you pursuing this uh, Walmart issue? Are, are you going to take it to human rights? or? At this point, um, I'm planning on compiling the information um, that I have through email. It was all done so on email, so there's paper trail. And I'll be sending that directly to corporate because it's just it's just been a merry-go-round of, uh, of cookie-cutter responses and huh. no action being done. That's hard. So that's that's what I'm going to be doing before I look into actually pursuing it legally. Um, I want to make sure that corporate does understand what happened and transpired and give them the opportunity to correct that yeah. um, before I do um, decide to uh, potentially legally pursue them. Advocacy and accessibility training seems to be an ongoing thing, doesn't it? Yeah, and pretty much anything you do, it, it could be something as simple as, you know, not being able to communicate with somebody with disabilities or offer a good service, or it could be a major accessibility issue like a door button not working. Right. While that may not be an issue for me because I can open a door, there's other people with mobility problems um, that utilize those door buttons. So there's things like that or, you know, uh, garbage cans being in front of them or even a poorly designed ramp can really um, make or break the experience for other people. So it's, it's not even really just about me as a um, visually impaired person who uses the guide dog. It's more so um, for anybody with disabilities. So does Zia still uh, offer you support uh, for PTSD as well as being a guide dog? Absolutely. Um, but granted, since I've had her... Um, between my two dogs, my symptoms of PTSD is a lot more controlled now. Um, I'm not as um, I'm not as bad as I used to be um, in terms of my PTSD. It's well managed now, but she does still um, mitigate that for me. So um, every once in a while, I'll get a night terror, and I don't always wake up, or I'll get sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. and that's when my anxiety starts to climb. So she'll actually jump on the bed and lay across my chest, so when I am experiencing uh, sleep paralysis, I'm not too scared um, with what's happening, because you're you're awake, but you can't move your body. Right. It's a very scary situation. Yes. Um, another thing that she can do is bark for help. Um, if I'm standing in a lineup, she'll stand behind me, so it gives me a little bit more space with people lingering around. Um, there's a lot of things PTSD service dogs can do. Um, 
some things that other people need, I might not. Um, I have friends whose dogs are trained to remind them to take medication. Um, they can retrieve a loved one. Uh, they can search the house if they want the dogs to clear a room. They do all kinds of different things. But, yeah, she does still um, assist me with my PTSD. It's just that the her primary um, discipline is being a guide dog versus being a PTSD service dog. Right. Okay. Um, sounds like a handy pooch to have around. Absolutely. She's, <laughs> she's a dream. And how old is she now? So she will be turning six in May. So she's currently five. Ah, okay. Yes. Would you recommend other people to have guide dogs privately trained as opposed to going to a school? Well, I personally think, in my experience of having a dog um, that's privately trained, it's a lot more involved, but also you pay out of pocket. So it's not provided to you, um, you know, like the seeing eye where you pay 150 for your first dog or you get the dog completely free. You're being, you're being out of pocket. And when you pay out of pocket, the great thing about that is you get customized training to whatever it is that you want. You can potentially look into using other breeds as well if they're suitable, which is not always the case. You don't really know until the dog hits maturity. Um, so there's a lot of risks involved with training your own. I think the safer route um, is to go through a school. That's just my opinion. Um, given that I've done the private training and while it's been wonderful for me, I don't have the time nor the energy to do it. And when you privately train, at least the way I did it, you own the dog and you go to training all the time with the dog. Yes. So this is over the course of two years. Mm -hmm. If you can't commit to that financially or lifestyle-wise, then I definitely recommend against it. I think that if there's schools out there offering school, um, offering dogs to us that are, um, their training is guaranteed and they have a great follow-up service and support, I think it's definitely worth utilizing those services that are offered to you than going out and doing it on your own. Right. So if you had continued to use Zia as a PTSD dog, would you have still had to pay out of pocket? Um, yes, because originally, so because I trained with the company, they did me a huge favor, and I didn't end up paying for my second dog. Ah. Um, my, but typically how the program goes is that we would find you a dog at the from reputable breeders that have proven service dog lines that have successfully produced service dogs. Um, and whatnot, and we temperament test the litter, and we will pick the suitable dog um, out of that litter that shows qualities that we like. So a dog that's confident, a dog that's, um, that is curious, a dog that doesn't startle too easily, or if they do startle, then they recover fast. Um, a dog that offers a lot of eye contact and is really engaging with the handler. Those are the qualities that we look for in a puppy, and then we'll be able to lay down the foundation training. And when we find that puppy, the puppy goes home with the recipient of the dog, and they come to training twice a week with the dog, and they have to maintain that at home over the course of two years until we do have a formal certification process where we do what's called a public access test that covers, you know, house manners, traveling in a car, 
working in public and working outdoors, say like a park or something. And then we have a law portion where we make sure that our handlers know what their rights are as service dog handlers so they're able to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we do. And then every three years, the team has to re get recertified. But during the course, um, you know, post-graduation services, they're more than welcome to come to any of our classes completely free of charge. Um, to keep maintaining their dog's training. If they need anything afterwards, then there are client follow-up services. We'll come to you or you come to us, and so on and so forth. So are you part owner of this program? No, but I was the first client with my first dog. Um, I kind of uh, created this, this ripple effect into creating the program. So I've been around from the very start. And you continue to work with them, of course. Yes, absolutely. Mm. All right. Well, this has been all very interesting. Have I forgotten to ask you anything that I should have been asking? I thought we pretty much covered a lot. I kind of branched off into um, different subjects as you ask the questions. But if you have any other questions, you're more than welcome to ask. I know. I, I think that... Um, pretty much uh, does it, um, unless if, if you want to give us uh, contact information for anybody in the uh, this area of Ontario that uh, might be looking for a PTSD dog. Absolutely. So the name of the company that I work with is called K9 Country Inn. That's K-9, number nine, Country Inn Service Dogs. Um, we're located out of Meaford, Ontario, but we do train primarily in the Barrie area, the London area, and soon the Hamilton area as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it is offered to primarily first responders and um, military, but we do accept civilians as well. Um, and it's a very involved program, so if you're looking to be a part of that, then it might be a good opportunity um, to pursue training that way. So um, we can be contacted through the website information. There's a phone number um, that will get you in contact with the owner, and there is an email as well. And the uh, web uh, address is? K-9CountryInServiceDogs.com. Okay. So that's Country in I-N-N, Service Dogs? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Brittany, for thank sharing so your information with us. And uh, all the best uh, for you and uh, Zia. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot for having me. It was lovely being interviewed. Well, my goodness, Zia continues to do a wonderful service for Brittany, don't you think? I'll bet you anything that Brittany would agree with the title of this song by Cat Stevens called, I Love My Dog. I love my dog as much as I love for you. For you may think my dog will always come through. All he asks from me is the food to give him strength All he ever needs is love And that he knows he'll get So I love my dog as much as I love you 
But you make a fame My dog will always come through All the pay I need comes a-shining through his eyes I don't need no cold water to make me realize That I love my dog as much as I love you But you make a fame My dog will always come through As I love you But you make things My dog will always come through that our half hour together has once again evaporated into thin air. Our next spotlight will be on March 20th because we're just about to enter into a a leap year with the uh, 29th of February coming soon. I do thank you very much for listening and I hope that you'll be able to join us then. If you have any information about what might be happening in your community or any community around the world with regard to guide hearing or service dogs, I do hope that you'll let me know. You can reach me by sending an email to The Harness, just like what a guide dog wears, The Harness at Bell. B-E-L-L dot net That's the harness at bell dot net Thanks again for listening and have yourself a good month. Bye for now.